trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Well, praise God in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, we're going to read through to verse 5. The Apostle Paul writes, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech, with excellence of speech, or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. God has a testimony, dear ones. Hallelujah. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And my speech and my preaching were not with uh, persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. You know, there's some people that try to twist around that, you know, we worship a cross. And, you know, they try to say that the cross is a, is a, a pagan god of long ago, but we don't worship the cross. We're singing about the one who was on that cross. Amen. We recognize Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. We're not worshiping a cross. We're worshiping what took place on the cross, the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah forever. And we are pleased to declare, just like the Apostle Paul of old, that Jesus Christ was crucified not only for us that believe, but for the whole world, praise God. And the precious blood of Jesus has the power to deliver from sin. And the demonstration of the Holy Spirit will confirm the word with signs following. If any man, woman, any child will come to the Lord Jesus and say, Come into my heart. I believe you died for my sin. I believe you are the Savior of the world. Save me, Lord Jesus. Deliver me. I accept what you have done and let your blood cleanse me. Then the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis power of God's Spirit, causes us to be born again, praise God, to be transformed within our, our inner man. And that which was of sin now becomes that which is of righteousness. That which was alien from God now becomes a child of God, praise God. We that were distant from God now become united with God, praise God forever. Hallelujah. Praise be to the mighty name of Jesus.
praise God for the amazing grace of God. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, it reads, For by grace you have been saved. Hallelujah. You know, I've always said that grace, biblical grace, is never empty or void. The grace of God is always full of the dunamis of God's spirit. Amen. The power of God. Hallelujah. Grace, when you see it in the Bible, executes a mighty thing, a mighty work. And here we see it. For by grace you have been saved. Hallelujah. Delivered. Made whole. Hallelujah. We've been glor glorified in the name of Jesus in Christ in this particular chapter. But anyway, in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. And so as we believe in the mighty word, as we believe in the grace of God, we can receive of that awesome power. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You know, you don't have to muster up anything. Just open up your heart. Receive Jesus. Receive the word of God. Receive the power of God. Yeah, that's the grace. The grace is God's gift. God giving it to us, praise God. Hallelujah. It goes on to say in verse 9, Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them or live in them. Praise God. So even though we're not saved by works, our salvation is, will be seen in our works, in our life. Amen? We don't have to do X amount of uh, witnessing or X amount of prayers or whatever to get saved. But because we're saved, we're going to be a person of prayer. My house should be called a house of prayer, Jesus said. Amen? Are you, the, are you the house of the Lord? Do you belong to Jesus? Are you the temple of the Holy Spirit? Praise God. There is great grace to enable us to be changed and transformed that which you have not been able to do because you have not the power of God working in you. You do not know the Lord. When the grace of God gets a hold of you, the power of God begins to transform you. Amen? Thanks be to God. Many times we're praying for this or that when we ought to be declaring, I have the grace of God. 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 I said, I have the grace of God. What about you? I have the grace of God. And that grace of God is saving me, transforming me, making me into the very workmanship of Christ. Yes, I have been saved, and I am being saved. Hallelujah. Amen. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to Savior lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds a future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Hallelujah, I serve a risen Savior. 
He's in the world today. Where is he in the world? He's in me, glory to God. He's in every believer. We serve a risen Savior. In Ephesians chapter 1, we find that it's not just Christ crucified, but we find that God did a great work when he raised him from the dead for us. Amen. We've often heard the cross preached. I remember growing up, I heard the cross preached so many times that you know I never really made the correlation that Jesus is alive. That it was a great revelation to me when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. The very first revelation was Jesus is alive. And even though I knew that doctrinally, it was always, you know, sort of a side note of growing up. And, the, you know, the main thrust was he died for your sin. He died for your sin. He died for your sin. And I'm not in any way negating the authority of that. I'm not in any way saying that that's not important to, to declare. But we serve a risen Savior. And, you know, people die. What made him different from other men is he rose up on the third day, praise God. And not only that, he said he would do it. Hallelujah. And not only that, he's coming back, glory to God. Hallelujah. But Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 19, the apostle Paul writes, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power, of his dunamis power, glory to God, toward us, oh, here it is, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, there it is again, which he worked in Christ. So what does it mean? What does it mean to us? Which he worked in Christ, this power, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his, own, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not a, that's coronavirus or any other thing, praise God. Amen. Whatever the name, Jesus' name has got more authority and power in it. Amen. Amen. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things, does that say all things? Wow. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things. Does that say all things? All things to the church. Hallelujah. Which is his body. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. He is the head. We are the body. Amen? Praise God. The fullness of Him. The fullness of Him. We are called to be the fullness of a risen Savior. Does, does a, the fullness of the risen Savior run around wringing their hands in fear? Does the fullness of a risen Savior wonder how in the world they're going to make it? Oh, it's so terrible in the world. I don't know how we're going to make it. No, the fullness of him, I just don't see it that way. I just don't see Jesus being in a, a ringing hand mode. Do you? No, I see him going about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, praise God. Hallelujah. And so should we be about the mighty business of God. Amen. Which is his body. We are the body of Christ, dear ones. We are the fullness of him who fills all in all. If we would just come to understand that, that's what the Apostle Paul is wanting us to see. It's not just about what God did in Jesus. What God did in Jesus was because of you and me. Amen. And we can accept that, you know, when we look at a dead Jesus on a cross, but we have trouble with it when we see a Jesus uh, alive and well, risen from the dead, because that requires that we're supposed to live that way too. 
It's easy for us to identify with death. That's natural. We are all going to die. Amen? But to be a supernatural believer, you've got to live different than the world. You've got to live different. You've got to go up the stream. Amen? You've got to be a divine Divine salmon, glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. And we've got to be indeed fishers of men. But anyway, in verse uh, 1 of chapter 2, And you he made alive. <laughs> Past tense. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves, we all did, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by, mature, excuse me, by nature children of wrath. In other words, judgment was ours, just as the others. But God, I just love it, but God, hallelujah, can you say that with me? But God, hallelujah. In other words, all this was, was how things were going to be. It was just pretty much set. We were all going to go to hell. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Does that say with Christ? Yeah. Made us alive together with Christ. So when Jesus was exalted at the right hand of the Father, in the eyes of God and in the heart and mind of Jesus and the Holy Spirit among us and within us, he raised us up too. That's why we can say, Devil, I bind you. Come out in the name of Jesus. That's why I can lay hands on the sick and believe them and see them to recover. That's the reason I don't have to run around wringing my hands. Because I've been raised up together with Jesus. Amen? Amen. See, we, we don't find it that difficult even to see Jesus raised up. But we have a hard time, dear ones, seeing that we've been raised up too. Amen. You know, some would say, oh, you're just being haughty. You're being, you know, proud and arrogant. No, I have humbled myself under the mighty hand of God. And he has exalted me, praise God. Hallelujah. I know it's not by works of righteousness that I have done or could ever do. It's because of God's great love for me. Amen? Amen. And my great love for people as I lay hands on them to see them recover. Amen? Amen? As I preach the word saying, you don't have to remain in that sin. You don't have to be bound by that sin. You can be free because it's already been accomplished. You in the plan and purpose of God, when you see Jesus elevated, you look and see yourself. Even as you look at the cross and see yourself, look at the resurrected Christ seated at the right hand of the Father and say, hey, that's me. That's me. I am at the right hand of the Father in Christ. That provision is mine. I can walk above only and not beneath. I can be the head and not the tail. I can indeed see the power of God in and through my life because of the great authority. Because what God has, again, go back to verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand? What does it mean to you and me when Christ was raised? And then we come on back over here to chapter one, or excuse me, chapter two, verse one. And you, He made alive. Hallelujah. 
You were seated at the right hand with him, praise God, in verse 6. And raised us up together, made us together, uh, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Praise God. And it goes on. Trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Truth is marching on. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus declares, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Praise God. Hallelujah. This gospel, this gospel that you and I are believers in, this gospel that God has put his, his power in, praise God. This gospel, it is going to be preached in all the world. And the Apostle Paul talked about the, the gospel, you know, the full, fully preached gospel is with signs and wonders, praise God. Hallelujah. The fully preached gospel, I believe, we can include here. This gospel of the kingdom will be fully preached, amen, with signs and wonders, praise God. We give glory to God that he is not forgetting any man, woman, or child, and that we should not either. You know, it's one thing to pray for our country, to pray for, you know, me, myself, and mine, and you, yourself, and yours. But it's quite another to pray for people we have never met, people that possibly we might meet someday. But to lift up a nation and to pray for them, to lift up, a, you know, uh, the persecuted church around the world, to lift up, you know, different ones. We need to learn to have the heart for others. Because, you know, when you begin to pray for others, you might find yourself feeling the urge of the Lord to be sent, Amen. to go. Is that not the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, praise God? And these signs will follow them who believe, praise God. It's important that we understand that it's more than just our little, our little pond. We don't want to be big frogs in a little pond. Amen? We want to understand it's a big world out there, and the gospel's bigger than it is. Amen. The gospel is humongous in comparison to this world, and it can cover it many manifold times, amen, before his return. Especially with the technology we have today, it's possible for the common man, the common woman, to reach around the world with, the, with, with not even, you don't even have to have average income. Amen? Even the poor now, the relatively poor, can reach around the world with the gospel. It's an amazing time to live. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth for this power that's in your gospel, enabling the world to come to the knowledge of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that this, this is speaking of, of, of the world as a creation, of the, the globe, our, our earth, 
And it also speaks of the nations, the nationalities, the ethnic groups. And I give you praise, Lord, that you're going to reach around this rock and you're going to reach into the hearts and minds of all peoples. And I love the place of Revelation that says, you know, that um, I'll just I'll just look at that. Very good. Very good, Lord. Instead of me trying to go by my flawed memory. Let's go to Revelation chapter 5. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's look here. Let's just look and uh, start reading here in chapter 5. I just love the, the revelation anyway. And in verse 1, he says, And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? Or excuse me, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look upon it or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the world. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And now... When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, here it is, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seal, its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people, and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth, praise God. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory, and blessing, praise God. Hallelujah, that's me, I put that in there. Now in verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power, be to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives, who lives forever and ever. Well, I said all that to, again, remind you of verse 9 and see that he is the God that has redeemed us out of every tribe 
every tongue, every people, every nation, praise God. This gospel is for all peoples. This gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is for the world, praise God. Let us have a world vision. Let us have a vision of Christ reaching all nations, praise God. See yourself as an instrument of his in this wonderful work of his to reach the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.